Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Every now and then you meet somebody that you really, really connect with very, very easily. Well, I've met Steve Scrimger a few years ago, but connected on a deeper level when he visited our church and presented compassion. And I sensed his heart for children who have no voices, who are not heard, who are in little villages, who knows somewhere in Indonesia, in the mountains, and yet he brings their love, he brings their needs to us, and we are able to somehow build a bridge and help those kids in an amazing way. That's why he has a heart. He has a heart of compassion, and that's why he works for compassion, because he can connect with people. That's why he connected with me. And that's why tonight we can hear his lovely story at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome, Steve. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to Mate, be here with you. You have a beautiful heart, you know. Oh. I didn't know why I liked you the first time I met you, yeah. but now I know. It's because you're, you're soft in the heart. Yeah. You're very masculine with the beard, but in the heart, you're very soft. Yeah. My wife once said to me, Steve, when you're preaching, you're only allowed to cry once. You can't cry three times. Because, you know, when you're sharing your heart, yeah. you just, just want to pour it out sometimes. But I have to, like, contain it. So do you only, cry, from do you only cry when it hurts or do you cry also when you're, you're joyful? Oh, I am definitely cry when I'm joyful. Like, yeah. I... When, whenever I hear someone speak yeah. and God's speaking through them, mm-hmm. I just start crying. Mm. If I hear God's voice in someone's voice, yep. I hear his heart mm-hmm. in them, I just start crying. So I might, uh, I know times I'll cry for like five minutes just hearing someone share their hearts. Wow. But it's when I hear his voice, that's when, that's when my heart just breaks. And do you hear his voice often? Yeah. Oh, for sure. All the yeah. time. Yeah. He's always speaking. He's not a silent God. And I don't just hear his voice in the Word. Yeah. I hear his voice for in my family in Christ. And I look for it everywhere. I think that's the key. The key is to look for it. Even, you know, with visions, sometimes, you know, we become very prophetic in our gifting, especially when we're out there in the ministry. Sometimes I think to myself, why am I not getting any visions in this season of life? And then it dawns on me, I'm not looking for them. Mm-hmm. They're there. It's just, mm. it's like, duh. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. they're there. Just start yeah. looking again, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's the same, I think, here as well. If you're looking for the Father's heart, you will see it. I think one of the biggest gaps people have in hearing God's voice is their faith. They don't believe. They're heart to heart with Him every moment. They don't believe they're face to face with Him every moment. Yeah. What Christ has done has brought us right into oneness with the Father. Yeah. Where Christ is with the Father is where we is. Christ has no problem hearing the Father's voice. No. So if I have the righteousness of Christ, I should be able to read the Word and hear the Father speaking to yeah. me. I should be able to listen to one of His children speaking yeah. and hear His voice. Yeah. Why? Because I'm heart to heart with the Father because of what Christ has done. Yeah. So that's my perspective. I just rest boldly into what Christ has done mm-hmm. and lean into His voice. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke to a good friend of mine who's also a coach, both spiritual and emotional intelligence coach. And somebody asked him recently, he said, what's the most important aspect of 
of ministry in the marketplace, ministry in church, what's the key to all of this, the kingdom ministry? And he said, well, I can define it in just one word. He said, intimacy. Mm. The key to everything is intimacy, mm. intimacy with the mm. Father. Mm. He said, if you, if you get that right, you get mm. everything right. Because that's where you get your identity, that's where you get your values, that's where everything ripples from there. And I think we fall short. You know why? I think we satisfy with little. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, I prepare for a sermon, for example, right? And I get, I get the gold nut of it. And I say, okay, stop, God, this, this is enough for me, you know? It's like, but I want to give you a lot more. And it's like, you know, we are so happy with crumbs. And it's strange because then, you know, we don't get the full benefit of everything. I said to my manager once, I said, this is my goal for next year. And it was mm -hmm. a big goal. It was audacious. She said, Steve, how are you going to do this? I said, I'm just going to walk with my father. I'm just going to go for a walk with my father. And, and I got that goal. But what did it come down to? It was just intimacy. Yeah. The father and his son just doing life together. So I totally agree with your coach or the, the, the person who meant that. That's what it comes down to. That's the number one thing is a walk with the Father yeah. is unlimited yeah. and it's unstoppable. That's right. And it's uncontained. Yeah. So if you want to live an unlimited, unstoppable, uncontained life, yeah. it's just a wonderful walk with your Father because that's who He is. That's right. And he can be like that through us. Mm. It's interesting. I uh, interviewed Jolene not long ago. Jolene is an Aboriginal psychologist. And um, in her youthful years, she didn't walk with God. In fact, she had a lot of trauma and she was molested and she suffered a lot in, in her teenage years as well. And I asked her, how did you keep yourself, you know, how, how did you keep your sanity? Mm. And she said, I used to talk to God. And I said, look, throughout this, she said, yeah, I was taken to Sunday school when I was, I was introduced to the Lord when I was small. I didn't have a relationship in, in a Christian sense with God. But she said, I used to talk to God all the time. I used to just tell him. And uh, it wasn't really faith in the way we would think, you know. But it kept her going no matter what. Because I think she developed that intimacy in an unreligious way. You know, non-dogmatic. She didn't know what exactly she was doing, but she knew the reality of the existence of God and that she could go and talk to him. And it's so simple. I remember when I was a, uh, a boy, I would just say to God all day long, I love you, mm -hmm. I love you, I love you. And it was just, it became a pattern. It was like I'd meditate on it. Yeah. I love you, I love you. And I knew him in that. And so that was just how I meditated. Yeah. And I did it as a, in primary school, I did it in high school. I'd be mm. riding my bike to school. Oh, I love you. And in some ways it was like a habit. Yeah. But what a great habit to have. If you're going to have something going through your mind, yeah. just loving on him. But what became like that thinking after that, that, that mindset, I think he just starts to grace you how to live that out. Yeah. How to live, how to live that life of intimacy. It becomes more than just you and him in your mind. It starts yeah. to become how you live and how yeah. you love your family. And that's where you can see it in other people. You have that awareness, not only in you, but you have you actually see God in the other people, which mm -hmm. is beautiful. So for you, this walk with the Lord started very early. I was three yeah. in New Zealand. Okay. I knelt by my bed with my mum next to me. 
She was a believer. Yeah. Oh, my mom. She loves. <laughs> oh. You want to talk about intimacy? My mama. She. We make jokes that we've never seen her sin. Yeah. We're not sure if she's an angel or not. Yeah. But she can't be. She yeah. can't be an angel. For she had six children. Yeah. So she's amazing, mama. Yeah. Mum, love you, mum. And I knelt with her in New Zealand by yeah. my bed. Yeah. And I asked Jesus into my heart. And I still remember that. It's one of my earliest memories. Wow. And I, it's just, that's how I live. So you remember, you remember yourself at the age of three. Yeah, I remember that moment sitting by my bed with my mum. And yeah. wow, that's amazing. Because most people can't recall, you know, that early childhood memories. Because I was, I came over from New Zealand yeah. when I was five. Yeah. Every memory from New Zealand is kind of like one, two, three, four, like well, three yeah. or four. So I kind of have these memories from when I was young because I know that was New Zealand. So anything yeah. from New Zealand, I know it was three or four. Okay. So that makes me easy, easy to remember to have those memories. How many kids in your family? Three boys, three girls. My parents. Six. Had. Yeah, six kids. Wow. We that's, loved it. Yeah. Wow. And where are you? I'm number four. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so then you moved to Australia. Why did you move to Australia? So we came over in '87. Mm-hmm. 1987 and we moved over to Western Australia my parents were ministers yep. in New Zealand and they just sensed this was where God was leading to, leading them yep. so they came over here and uh, we became Australian citizens and we love it now I'm an Aussie got an Aussie wife got Aussie kids I still go for the All Blacks like how can you let go of the All Blacks they're just I don't know. they're it's a great rugby blood. team I don't know if you it's know. in your blood eh? it's in my blood but other than that I'm Aussie now once you've got an Aussie yeah. wife and Aussie kids you've got to uh, so what church were they church of christ or over in new zealand they were new life churches okay yeah all right and they got a job here as pastors as yeah ministers? so mum and dad came over started a church over here oh as they well. started a fresh church yeah yeah which one well it's called grace church apple grace cross church. apple cross it's okay. a wonderful church it's, it's still going yeah still going oh it's a real like family church and your parents are still there Parents still there. Oh, beautiful. I was there until like two years ago. Wow. So I grew up in this small family church. My parents, the ministers. I love my dad. He's my hero. He's yeah. like discipled me uh, all the way through. Wow. And then it was just the right season. We kind of sensed it was the right time for us to change yeah. churches. And uh, we now you, go to Red Door Church. to take over the reins? It doesn't work like that? I really love working across the church yeah i love it i think that's a good place for me mm-hmm. yeah so okay so who knows what will happen in the who future knows? yeah but yeah. Uh, that's great so you moved to uh, to australia and then you you had another brother and sister here or it was done new zealand was we had done. a sister here and i was born in australia so okay. she's our like one aussie girl right. and she even looks more aussie than the rest of, of course us she would. i don't know how the she son, did the sun the sun got a yeah, so she's Aussie. The rest of us are like just trying to be Aussies. You can get both Kiwi and Australian passports if you want. Yeah, that's right. Not but that I've still got this like little Kiwi accent. Where? In some of my words. And I try and pronounce some words and they don't come out right. So people think I just can't speak right. But it's just because I've got a little bit of Kiwi accent. It's yeah. quite annoying when you're preaching. No. And there's certain subjects I can't hit. Like I can't talk about Jesus being the precious pill because I don't know how to say the word pill. It comes out. I can't say that word. Sounds like the a Kiwi pill. accent. That's right. What do you mean Jesus is a pill? I don't know. It's my Kiwi accent. I'm sorry. I just can't. Like, don't make me preach in that passage. There's other words too that I have to really explain the word because the Kiwi vowels are so different and I only slip it enough to make people think, 
Can you not communicate? So you never talk about fish? Can't talk about fish and chips. No, can't talk about You can't about talk that. about number six. No, no, can't use that number. Never <laughs> preach from any verse that has that number in it. <laughs> it's good that the holy number is seven. So yes. At least you can say seven. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So school, uh, primary school? Uh, I went to Rostrada Primary School, drove past it today. Where? Dropping my kids off. Rostrada Primary School, yeah. dropped past it, said kids. That's where I went to school. Yeah. Thousand kids in that school. Mm-hmm. Went there. Then I went to Willerton High School. Yeah. Good public high school. A couple yeah. of thousand students. Loved Why it there. Why didn't you go to Rosemont? Or it wasn't that popular back then. Rossmoyne and Willerton are quite competitive. I know, they are. So they're like one and two public schools. Yeah. Willerton right now is above Rossmoyne. Churchlands. Yeah, Church well, maybe. They're them, them, really getting up there. Yeah, and Shenton College, I okay, think, is okay. four. Uh, yeah, right up there. Yeah. Well, I want you to know why Willerton is right up there, number one. Yes. People always say it's the principal. We had a great prayer meeting going, year 11, year 12. You're we used praying. to pray it up. Oh. Every recess, we get together. Four or five of us from different churches, yeah, and just pray. I think that's why we're getting the good results. Absolutely. I don't, Sometimes uh, you even study. <laughs> we we may have studied the word, yeah, <laughs> but we were more praying for revival back then. That was the nineties, you know, like that was the word we were praying for revival in our schools. So you never had a uh, uh, a rebellious period or a, uh... yeah, nine. I thought I was a rapper. Okay. So like, I had the baggy pants. Okay. I had the hat. The Stussy gear. The Stussy gear. Yeah, that's right. So I tried that in year nine and I tried in year 10, but I was not cool enough to be a rapper. I wasn't bad enough either. Yeah. Because I remember when I was having that face. So it was like year nine, year 10, kind of last year 11, I was like at the prayer meeting every day. But year nine, year 10, I would still, before I left school, I'd be like, mom, can you pray for me before I go? And I'd like get mom and dad to pray for me every day before I go to school. Because I was new when I prayed for me, something happened. And then I'd be like driving, riding my bike to school. And then I get to school and put my hat up really high like a rapper. Put my baggy clothes on. Try and drop some rapper no names. uniforms at Willerton? Now we had uniforms, but I just wear the baggiest yeah. pants that I could find. Yeah. yeah, and put my hat up. But I was not legit. Yeah. There was not a good season for me. Mm. Trying to be a rapper because I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I started the, the premium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are there rappers in in New Zealand? Yeah, great rappers. I actually am a rapper now. So oh, you I want to let you know. So okay. to my kids, I go by the name Kangaroo Rapper. Okay. I don't do hip hop. Yeah. I do hop hop. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's really average rapping. But when you've got a three-year-old daughter... Everything's perfect. Everything's perfect. Even if it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. Sometimes, like, you know how rappers do off beats? Yeah. I do off rhymes. Oh, like, off rhymes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> miss the whole rhyme. Yeah. But I don't think... My kids realize you're supposed to rhyme when you yeah. rap, so I just drop it. Grammar doesn't matter, English doesn't matter, nothing matters. Everything I thought I was going to be in year nine, year ten, in year ten, I'm now having it, you know, with kids. Like I'm having that phase now. Can you rap for us right now? No Absolutely. way. If you were three, I'd rap for you. I am three. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And uh, what did you do when you finished school? So, year eleven, year twelve, I was praying. I sensed that. God had Bible college for me, but I also felt like he wanted me to go to uni. So just listening in and got advice from my dad. Dad said, go to the Baptist Theological College. It would be a good degree for you to have. And it was through Murdoch Uni. So I could, yeah. I went through Murdoch. I did a business oh, did a bachelor. degree. Yeah. So I did a bachelor in theology yeah. at uh, Baptist Theological College, which is now Vos. Yeah. And I also uh, did a business systems degree through mm-hmm. Murdoch Uni at the same time. 
So I just did the two degree. degree. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it was good. So when I finished my studies, yeah. I was able to go and work in that business. That would have been challenging. It was full on, wasn't it? It was three, four years. The, the business systems degree wasn't hard because it was made for people coming out of high school. Yeah. When I went to Baptist Theo, the younger students were 27, 28. Yeah, well, most were 50. The younger students were 25, were like 27, 28. But then there was this 18-year-old. Oh. And so I'd be in class and everyone had this great understanding. All the young people were going to like Harvest Bible College or this yeah, Bible yeah. College. But dad was like, Steve, if you Theological. go to Baptist Theo, yeah, it, it'll set it. you up for life. Like you'll get the foundations right. You'll get your foundations right. But I remember I'd be in class and I'd be like, oh, and I'd like fall asleep to wake up because yeah. I was just... There was, they were just talking above me. Yeah. So often the conversation was over my head. Yeah. But I learned so much because mm. you do four years from that. Oh. You, can, you get to know. And there were so many wonderful pastors there who would just spend time with me at lunchtime and just talk with me about what was happening in class and just journeying with me. I just felt loved. And uh, it was so good to get to know so many of these wonderful people from different traditions. Yeah. So I'd be with this Baptist pastor, so lovely. Then I'd be with a Church of Christ pastor. Oh, I'd be like, this guy is the best. So I was getting this understanding of how beautiful the body of Christ was yeah. by spending time with these different ministers. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. Didn't mess you up? It was so good for me. Okay. It was so good. Uh, there was definitely some theology. My dad has a really good grip on, okay. on the Bible. So I would go back and, and ask questions. Just go, Dad. What about this? What about this? What about this? And he would just yeah. use it, help me through it. Eh? Yeah, yeah. You need that. Or mess you up a bit, a bit more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I needed a bit of both. Like there's a bit of balancing in the middle. And then, career-wise, what, did, what so, was your first job? First you? job, I worked at ITC, laptop sales, business development role. Enjoyed it. Okay, so that that was more like IT business. Kind yeah, of that's work. right. Okay. I was always doing ministry on the side, so I was running okay. a youth group at that time. At your church? At my church, I was doing. Uh, I used to go down the southwest and of Perth, like in yep. the country areas, get all the little youth groups together yep. and do a camp. And get this youth group of three, get the youth group of five. This guys haven't got a youth group, but ring at the pastor, bring him along. And then there's all these kids who had just these small youth groups and thought they were the only ones in their town. Yeah. Now there's like 80 of them in a room and we're just worshiping God with all our hearts. Beautiful. That was just such a wonderful season. So I was doing that. And yeah, but I was working in the business side, really mm-hmm. enjoying it. Um, worked at one still and worked my way up to being like a branch manager and having staff and... Yeah, being entrepreneurial in that space. I really enjoyed that. In the marketplace. Yeah, in the marketplace. Loved it. When did you meet Rosalind? Oh, Rosalind. So, there was this conference called Planet Shakers. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Planet Shakers. It was in Adelaide. Okay. So, uh, I had lots of friends around the city, a bit of an extrovert. Yeah. But there was this one church out in Armadale. I didn't really know anyone there. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to the people who had organized the buses and like, oh, there's this bus going from there. I was like, yeah, I'll go with them. I don't know anyone from there. It'd be great. So I got on this bus yeah. and there's no one I know. Yeah. And I took some like Pez, which is like this lolly with a Pez dispenser. Okay. And I was just like offering the Pez to everyone on the bus, just yeah. making friends. Yeah. And there's this beautiful girl on the bus called Rosalind. <gasps> and she was just so lovely. And we were only friends then, but we stayed acquaintances. And then a few years later... I went to this Year for Live event mm-hmm. and she put it on because she worked for Year for Live. There's like a couple of thousand people in the room. Wow. And I'd taken my youth group mm-hmm. and this boy says to me in my youth group, he goes, I need to go to the toilet. So I'm like, okay, I'll take you out. 
once the article finishes, I take yeah. him out. And as I'm walking out, I see Rosalind. I haven't seen it for like a couple of years. So I don't see her every now and again. Yeah. And she gives me a hug. Mm-hmm. And finish the hug, and I walk out and take this boy to the toilet. And I'm taking him to the toilet, and I'm thinking, whoa, that hug was amazing. I'm feeling electricity through me. Like, I was just like, wow, that really, wow, what a hug. That girl's beautiful. And I hadn't really thought of her like that. <laughs> but it's amazing what a good hug can do from a beautiful girl. Whereas she was thinking this why is Steve leaving during the older cool? Who is this guy? Where I'm thinking, what a girl, what a hug. I'm ah. going to have to connect in with her. So after that, I just started chasing her. Yes. Like I visited her church, got to know her, said, hey, let's all go out for dinner afterwards. Then I said to her this, we went out for dinner. I got she, like, she, she accepted. Well, I invited like everyone in the church out for dinner. Okay. I was, and then, so we're all going out and I didn't really get to talk to her. I saw the youth pastors catching up with them. And then afterwards, I'm, I'm like with her and I'm like, hey, Roz. Australian Idol's on. Want to come back to my house with my friend who goes to your Bible college oh. and come and watch Australian Idol. So we went back and watched Australian Idol together. And I was just cracking jokes. Then I realized I was really attracted to this girl. Mm. So I just started chasing her. And did she know at that time or not? She didn't stage? know. I wrote her a letter. I said, here's 10 reasons why you should let me take you out for dinner. And here's five reasons why you shouldn't. I want to give it both sides of the argument. Yeah. And then I had a conclusion. Therefore, you can see there's more reasons to let me take you out for dinner. Wow. So I sent her that. Went over to, she said, Like a snail now? It was. I can't remember what it was. But it was back then. It was before Facebook and Messenger. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those old kind so of... So did you post it or you dropped it? Nah, it was... You gave it to her? It was one of those old platforms for social groups. I can't remember. Oh, high five. Something on the internet, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Back in the day. Yeah. And then she... Re- then Facts. She, but her sister's telling us, Ros, you can't hang out with this guy one-on-one. You know, you know that girl. She was known as the ice queen at a, at a church. Oh. So these guys would chase her and she'd just ice them. Mm. Ice queen, no. I will not go out with you. So she was getting ready to ice me. So she's like, come over to my house. So I go over to the house and she's just ready to ice me. And I'm ready to tell her how beautiful she is. Because I'm just like, I'd become besotted. Yes. Here's why. She lived in Bad Iris. Yes. She'd drive all the way to Armadale. It's mm-hmm. like area where there's a lot of poverty yeah she drove like half an hour there yeah she was a youth pastor she mm-hmm. ran the discipleship course she just loved the kids this was my dream girl you know like she's just, better than you <laughs> talking about punching above your weight <laughs> if you want to get besotted punch above your weight you know but you might get iced she she tried to ice me so that day whatever it house and she just totally iced me just didn't work no nah, she was like nah 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 all these no's and i was like so ready to tell her how beautiful she was so i i get home and i send her a message uh-huh. i like we're back in the days we had those really average phones SMS. what's my chance one in a thousand or one in a million if she says one in a dumber, million dumber. i'm gonna back off i'm not that guy if she says one in a thousand i'm chasing her down yeah she replies one in a hundred so, like, oh. so I rang her up. I'm like, one in a hundred. I like those odds. And I started telling like five different things in my life with the odds were one in a hundred and I made it happen. Yeah. And I just told her how beautiful she was. And yeah, that's, that's, you won she realized. Yeah, you melted the ice. She went over to, on a mission trip overseas mm-hmm. and she was gone for two weeks and I missed her like crazy. But while she was over there, God did all these great works. They went to an unreached people group. Uh, Spirit of God moved. All these people coming to Jesus. And she's on the bus. And she looks out the window. And she's like, normally this is enough. Like what I've just seen. 
and she just felt God's peace. Yeah, you can date Steve. And she came back that day. I picked her up from the airport. I took her to a bull. Now, bull, I don't know if I'm saying that right word. Is that the Kiwi accent? Like a dancing bull? So yeah. I don't even know how to say it. I thought it was a bull. But yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't even know yeah, how to say okay. it. Okay, now, now, now I hear you. I so hear I take her to the bull. And I'm on the way. She's so beautiful. I had to pull off the freeway. Just to look at her in the eyes. And I pulled off the freeway. I said, this is dangerous. You're so beautiful. Here you are all dressed up. Let me just enjoy you for a little bit before we jump back in the car. We're not dating. Like, we're not official yet. But she knows I'm chasing her. Jump back in the car. We get to the ball. And I'm so excited. I didn't walk in there like I was with me and Natanya. Walk in. Hey, he's my bro. Coming in here to have some fun. Meet some people. I came in like a king who had slain a dragon. See this beautiful girl? She's She's mine. beautiful. She's amazing. She's been overseas loving the kids. And she's with me. That day, that nice. night, I took her on the dance floor. My yes. moves were crazy. Uh-huh. She walked off embarrassed. She came back on the dance floor. My moves were crazy. She walked off embarrassed. Three times she came to the dance floor. Three times she walked off embarrassed by my moves. Don't think like I was doing good moves. Think no. like the wiggles. Think the kangaroo rack bar, you know, like trying to dance. He can't dance. No. He's the kangaroo rapper. He does like a three But you were in seventh heaven. She was, I was in seventh heaven. And she was she grounded. Should, <laughs> the next night, we were together. It worked. Yeah. And then a year later, we were married. Because she, she, you were yourself and she saw that oh. know, this guy's real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we no were meant for each other. We were meant for each other. Yeah. I feel like when God made me, he made her face. Yeah. She's just perfect for me. She's exactly what beautiful is for me. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. How did you propose? So I got the F team. The F team is the fiance team. <laughs> I had them come in my house in the morning. Yeah. There was like about 15 of them. Yes. And I said, guys, here's your schedule. Yeah. So we went to the first event. So I took her out. She came over. The F team had already gone out. Yeah. And we're walking across Mount Henry Bridge, this beautiful big bridge. I know. Where we like had a special moment when I was chasing her. And we're walking across and she looks at me and she can tell I'm excited. I'm so excited. Every 10 steps, I'm doing a little bounce because I'm so full of energy. Like I just couldn't hold it in. I didn't know what to do with all this energy. It's like when I was on the dance floor that first night when she came back from the from the missions trip. And so we're, we're there and she was like in her head, 80% this guy's going to propose. Anyway, we come around the corner and I... So you did the loop? We did, uh, under no, the, we went one way. Came down on the on the on the sand side yeah. on the other side, yeah. and we came around the corner. And the the fiance team, the F team, had Every set team. up this big, beautiful picnic. like roses picnic, oh. Nando's. Oh. Oh. Get on one knee, spin her around, and then she can see all the gear. And I'm on one knee, playing the question. She's like, "Yes." We had three more locations. Came back to her house at night. All the families are there. Toasts, lovely. Oh. Yeah. So, Ouch. Yeah. Then we got married and. That's Wonderful. very romantic. Yeah. She probably remember it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do you yeah. ever talk about it? Yeah, like I love telling the story of falling do, in do love. You tell, you tell your kids about oh, it? Oh, yeah. They know yeah. it? My kids have this thing at dinner time where yeah. they go, tell us a story when you're a little boy. Tell us a story oh. when you're a little girl, mum. And we just tell them stories when we're okay. kids. They love it. So they love hearing our stories. Nice. I've got to adopt that if you don't mind. Yeah, do it. I love oh, it. Yeah. Okay. It's the best. That's good. And then uh, the kids came along? Kids came along. It's a struggle. It was a struggle for us to have, have children. Okay. Uh, we, need, we need some miracles. But we were married for four years and we had Peter. Mm-hmm. He's eight. Yeah. He's a wonderful boy. Uh, I remember God spoke to me clearly. He said, call him Peter. Mm-hmm. Three times he told me to call him Peter. And Rosie and I discussed all these different names. 
And I said, Rosie, if you get a name, and Peter was on the list, and she goes, I just got the name Peter when I was praying. I'm like, yeah, I got that name too. So he's the only kid in the school called Peter. Yeah. But he is a Peter. Like, he's got that boldness. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Like, there's a strength to, the, to this yeah. boy. Um, he's a great kid. He's nine. He's read the whole Bible. He's a reader. Wow. He, he loves the word. Uh, yeah, God's hands on his life. We've got Charlotte. She's three, and she's a worshiper. She just spins and worship. We love to have family prayer times. We put yeah. the YouTube channel yeah. on, put YouTube, put the worship on, and we yeah. just worship as a family. We dance as a family, enjoy God as a family, and she just worships and spins and loves it. She's, if we don't worship, she tells us off. If we're not having a family prayer time, she lets us know all about it, and then Lily is four months old. Yeah. I love being a dad. Four months. That's beautiful. Wow. And... Uh, what else did you guys do? I mean, you carried on in the marketplace or you came more into the church? So I um, was really enjoying the marketplace. Yeah. And I was, this was my heart. I want to have a creative culture in my yeah. workplace. Yeah. And I want, none of my staff are Christians, but I want to have that. Sure. To me, that's what heaven on earth looks like. It looks okay. like creativity. So we were entrepreneurial. We were always doing fresh things. And I just felt the grace had left it, had, had left us. And I, and I remember talking to God and God said to me, I've got your next role sorted. And two weeks later, Roz goes, hey, Steve, have a look at this job I found mm-hmm. on the internet. Uh, it came up on her Facebook page. It's for compassion. And I read, I was like, everything, tick, 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 that's tick, like, tick. I would love to do that. And so I, was pr- I just felt like God had prepared me for this season. So I came in to the role. I remember my interview, I was so confident and excited yeah. just to be interviewed and talk about it. I'd never yeah. gone for a job outside of my own organization. I was just always yeah. going for promotions. And I loved it. Uh, this is what happened. When I started going for the role, I'd watch these compassion videos. Uh-huh. And the Holy Spirit would just baptize me in the Father's grief for these children. Yeah. But it also baptized me in the Father's joy. Yeah. And I remember that interview process that went for a couple of months. I would just cry every day. Mm. Father was just sharing his heart with me for children in poverty. Mm. And his heart for children in poverty isn't just the grief. It's the joy of them being free. Yeah. So then to come and work for Compassion, I worked for Compassion for four and a half years. And I mm-hmm. can tell you this, I have loved every second of working for this organization. Why? Because we connect the church in Australia yeah. with the church overseas. Yeah. So as one family, we can go to a child in extreme poverty where darkness is surrounding them and go, this is the might of the body of Christ together for you, one beautiful child, to be completely released from poverty and come into everything God has for your life. And to me, to be able to be be so connected to the Father's heart in my full-time role, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And to be a voice for these people who have no voice. I think it's beautiful. Compassion does an amazing job. And uh, as you know, because you came here, we sponsored three children and our kids have somebody that they connected with. And I, I think I just mentioned to you before you started, we started this interview, even the other day they were writing letters to, and drawing pictures to them, which is beautiful because the children can correspond. I love this so much. Yeah. A part of the discipleship for my own children yeah. is to get them to write letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the children and the children we're sponsoring they're discipling my children yeah. and my children are discipling them I remember sure. one night uh, Pete was crying I could hear him and I came down to his bedroom and he was crying so much I said Pete what's wrong did you have a bad dream he said yeah daddy had a really bad dream I said remember the verse that Alex gave you to memorize fear not for God is with you 
Yeah. And I have been to where Alex lives. He lives in a slum. Yeah. He lives in a home that is made of bamboo. Yeah. The rain comes in, you can see right in. It is unsafe. So for him to tell us to memorize this verse, fear not for God is with you, that he can walk around that place and go, God is with you. Yeah. Like that's conviction for him. He's giving us a verse that means so much for yeah. him. So I was like, Pete, and we just went over this verse. And it was so good for Pete just in that moment to be able to connect with what Alex John had sown into my son's life. And so we do the same thing. We give these kids verses to memorize. They give us verses. And I really believe everything God's put into our family, we release into these children. We serve them. And um, that's part of the legacy God has for our family is these children's lives. Beautiful. But I love seeing the church in Australia Mm. come together Mm. with a church overseas for one child. Together, the church is unstoppable. What Christ has done on the cross to bring the church together there is so much acceleration in the kingdom of God yeah. when the church unites and starts moving together. It's agreement. God works in agreement. Mm. So, I mean, it even says if two agree on earth, it will be done. Just imagine when uh, churches agree. And we come when we come in agreement, you know, it's so powerful. And I, I pray that people just get the, you know, they get the simple, simple aspect of the kingdom of God, which is beautiful. So, uh, and uh, what, what's your wife doing, Rosalind? So, Rosie, she is, because we've got the newborn, Yeah, she's looking after the the baby and the kids. So, what was she doing? She was a pastor when you met her? And when then... I met her, she was a pastor more re- uh, and a travel agent as well. Okay. Uh, these days, she is, she works for her dad's business. Okay. She's on the intercession team mm-hmm. at our uh, church and she's in the, the Debras, which is like a... A group led by Wendy Yap in yeah, the city. That's beautiful. And, um, That's she's writing mentoring. A, yeah, she's writing a book about our journey for children. Okay. But but most of all, she's just an amazing wife. Like she yeah. cooks a good meal, eh? Yeah. It's so good to marry a girl who loves to cook. Yes, I have to watch Master Chef. I don't like Master Chef. Don't make me watch that show. But if it means I get amazing food and she loves to cook, I'm not a good cook. No. You gotta have the self awareness about where you're weak and where yeah. you're strong. I'm not stronger than you. You eat well, don't you? I eat like a king. Yeah, so that's all right. You do your part. I love it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you imagine if you didn't eat well or you didn't enjoy your wife's cooking, how would she feel? That's right. So, you know, you play a role. (laughs) No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you've developed wonderful friendships as well uh, uh, with the movement ministry, Movement Day and all the movement across Australia. Tell me a little bit about that. Since I was young, like I shared when I was in high school, I was leading a prayer meeting with people from different churches and we would pray. Yeah. And we were one family praying for our school. When you have that goal of transforming your school, you need the Baptist. Mm. You need the Pentecostal. You need each other. Yeah. And when we did the camp, I remember those camps down south. We had invited every youth group to come along. There was so much power when we came together. Yeah. And I used to run these burn services to bring different youth groups together in our city. And then this thing, United Prayer, started. Yes. And I was involved in that starting. And that was, we would just get youth from across the different mm-hmm. youth groups, young, yeah. more young adults across yep. our city. And we would just do a different church every three months. And we'd just pray. We'd pray yeah. for our city. And yeah. there's so much grace on this. And it, we were friendships were, were born out of this United Prayer. And a heart for our city was born. And this unity was, was like contagious in our city. 
And then from that, I was just growing, growing this desire for the church to collaborate. When I joined Compassion, when I was now in, in an organization, which was one of the greatest collaborators yeah. in the kingdom, like globally, bringing the yeah. church together. We work with 8,000 churches on the field just to disciple children, but the connectors are to thousands of churches yeah. in, in the developed world. I just loved it. So I was always in that space. And so I was connecting with a lot of the people who were in that unity and collaboration space sure. in our city. And they yeah. were becoming my spiritual fathers, my spiritual mothers, my, my brothers and sisters. And we would ring up and have conversations. And that's yeah. when I started to get to know these people. But then we were like doing things together and ministering together and, and putting events on. Uh, that's when I came into contact with a lot of the movement group. And yeah. uh, so the, there's like a, a movement dot uh, org like a kind of Australian team. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I know the Sheltons. I've, I've I've worked with them in ACAL and in other circles. So yeah. So this group they wanted some younger people on. Yeah. So Amit and I have kind of joined in, and we're just like learning from them. Yeah. We, we connect every couple of weeks yeah. and Zoom. We're having three days together. But these are some of the most beautiful, humble, kingdom-hearted people in our nation. And so just to be able to come under them and be mentored and loved by them and discipled by them, it's just growing my thinking, my yeah. understanding, but it's growing my, my humility. I think the biggest thing oh. I've, I've got from hanging out with the movement group is you guys are doing so much, but you're so humble. Like, it's so attractive. This, my yeah. dad is the most humble man I've ever met. Mm. And he is my hero. Yeah. And I love that man. Yeah. It's his humility is so attractive. And so when I see pastors who are humble like my dad i'm like that's what i want to be as i grow up like that's where i'm going father take me there so to be around people when that's where they've gone like i love being around the movement group there's humility in wa amongst the movement group there's humility nationally and i think if you want to bring leaders together yes from different denominations uh from business from from church you've got to come with vision and boldness yes but you better come with humility absolutely because they're going to see right through you yeah humility is attractive yeah uh we may follow follow boldness yeah but we ain't going to follow that humility so for me it's just been so good to come into that place of learning that and god's just just because you're building relationships with them and then you see it see humility needs to be seen you can't Mm. you can't say i'm humble because then you're not Mm. (laughs) but you know it's only when you journey with people, you, you really honor them and you see who they are and what they do, which is beautiful. I love that word honor you, you said. That's so key in this season right now. Yeah. It's naturally the generations are coming further apart. Yeah. And even the church can divide. We need to honor each other. We have well, family. honor is not something that you receive. Honor is something that you give. It's yeah, beautiful. You, you can't say, I received a lot of honor. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like, it was honorable, maybe, but most of the thing is you honor people, I honor people. That's that's the key. The key is in giving honor, not in receiving honor. I remember I was driving down Tonkin Highway and I said to God, you're giving me so much favor in this city. So much favor. I said, why? And as soon as I said, I felt this deep in my heart because of your dad's faithfulness. Yeah. And as I have come into my dad, he knows my whole heart. He knows yeah. every sin I've ever done. He's journeyed with me through being a teenager and being a young and old and being married. He's he's a, but I've honoured him and I love him and and 
it's almost like as you honor them, yeah. you also come into the blessing on their life. Absolutely. There's so much for the church. And if the church starts honoring each other, we come into each other's blessing. Yeah. Our blind spots are removed when we come into relationship with each yeah. other. We can learn so much. Yeah. We can collaborate. I really believe when the church comes together, we are unstoppable. We are unstoppable. Yeah. We can yeah. disciple nations. Absolutely. I think separated, we can't. That's right. I think we, we struggle. We're going to struggle to disciple Australia. Yeah. Separated. But together in Christ, and Christ has done this on the cross. He's brought us as one as the Father and the Son are one. Yeah. He's made us beloved family like the Father and Son of family. When we come into that place and there is honor there, the younger honoring the older, the older serving the younger. Yeah. The, the, the different denominations learning from each other. Yeah. The, the pastors serving the business leaders and, and, and those who are in government all yeah. coming as one family. I tell you what, Australia's too easy. Yeah. Australia's too easy for that church. Yeah. We're going to have to go into Indo and Malaysia. We're going to have to just disciple the nations. They'll have to open the borders. have to open the borders because we'll, just be, we'll be uncontained. Like How can you contain that kind of power? That's beautiful. But it's so connected to humility. Yeah. Like who will inherit the earth? It's that meek. It's the meek. Yeah. The ones who serve. It's interesting. Uh, the other night somebody said, uh, John Smith, actually, he said, he said, God didn't call us to fix people. He called us to serve people. Because mm-hmm. all the time, like we've got, oh, I can help you. I can fix you. That's like God doesn't want you to fix the people. Fix yourself if you can. But serve the people and love them. I... I really believe it starts with prayer. Yeah. But after prayer, if you want to disciple a city, you want to disciple a community, you want to disciple a family, you pray for that family, yeah. but then you serve that family. Yeah. Prayer will lead to serving, being with the Father's heart, being with Him. He's so serving. Yeah. He's so loving. He's so humble. Yeah. Yet He's glorious and He's holy. Yeah. When you be with Him and you're praying for someone, you want to serve them. That's right. But when you serve someone, it will open your, their, up their heart for you to disciple them. Sure. You pray, you serve, and then you disciple. Yeah. To me, that's how you... And you, you, you do it in service to God. You don't care whether they assimilate it or not, whether they appreciate it or not, whether they, they see it or not. You just simply do it because you honor God. Your service is unto God, mm. which is beautiful. Mm. So what's the legacy you'd like to pass on to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children? I remember once I was playing basketball with my son, Pete, out the front yard. Mm-hmm. And I could tell he just wanted to beat me. Of course. Yeah. But I wanted to teach him the ways. It's like, I want to teach him how to play basketball, get better. I was like, Pete, sit down, my boy. I said, Pete, I'm trying to teach you and you just want to beat me. You got to learn from me as well. I'm your daddy. I said, Pete, your great, great granddad, his name was Peter as well. And he was a salvo in New Zealand. He would walk the streets. Yeah. He would, he was a prayer. He'd be on his knees praying. He had a son and his name was Norman. And Norman went off the shoulders of Peter. And Norman used to play the, play the, the he played the organ at the Methodist church. Yeah. And Norman had a son, and his name was Graham. And that's my dad. And Graham went off Norman's shoulders. He's a great man of faith, and that's my dad. Just faithful, faithful, faithful man. What a great word to describe someone. Yeah. And I said, Pete, I go off Graham's shoulders, and I stand three men high off their shoulders. I said, I honor my father. I love my father. He knows my whole life. He yeah. knows me. I said, Pete, if you will honor me, if you will love me, if you will listen to me, you will stand on my shoulders, five men high 
of this legacy. Yeah. And your children can stand on your shoulders. And I was in the front yard. Yeah, and right. I said to Pete, Pete, do you want to get on my shoulders? Because he's like, yeah, Dad, I want it, I want it. So I, I pulled him up on my shoulders. And I'm holding him up like this. And I'm standing up in the front yard. And he's on my shoulders, ah. standing to him like, Pete, this is where you belong, my boy. And he's like, and he looked down. He's like, Daddy, this is where I belong. Hallelujah. And so for me, legacy is that I want to honor those before me. Yes. And for some people, it's not about your own parents, but it's maybe a pastor sure. or a mentor sure. who you need to honor. Yeah. Because when you honor them, like we said, we you come into their blessing, you come into their favor, you yeah. come into what they deserve, what they've been yeah. sowing into. And I've come into my dad's favor and the legacy. And like, Pete, I want you to come into that. So the language I use for my son and my daughter a lot is this. Probably a, a couple of times a day, I would say this, Pete. I want you to be a great boy of love. I want you to be a great man of love. I want my children's goal in life to be a great woman of love or a great yeah. man of love. To me, that's what fulfillment is. If I can be a great, great man of love before yeah. my father, yeah. the people I respect in life yeah. are not just the great people of faith. Yeah. It's when you get to know them yeah. that they love you. Yeah. That is so attractive. And that's the children I want to raise up. And not just my own children. Yeah. I want the legacy of the church that I'm serving, that we would be a church, that we would be a great church of love in our city, that we would love our city, that we would raise up young people who love our city, who love our schools, who who love their parents, who love their children. So for me, my legacy is let's raise up great lovers of God, great lovers of of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And let's do it together. Like let's, let's, for me, my legacy is let's bring the church together and let's just go love. And let's just see what God does. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, I think you're doing it. And I think you're uh, influencing a lot of people and inspiring others to do the same. Thanks for coming to the show, mate. It's wonderful to hear your passion and your love, people. Well, friends, what an amazing testimony. Great men and women of love. You also fit in that category. So I want you to take on this inspiration that you've heard tonight and build it, build a lot of love in your heart and pass it on to your children and to your children's children and to the generations that come after them to become great people of love. Uh, Mate, if you love and I love and we love, this world will become more loving and we can share the love of Christ to the world. This world needs more love, so let's just apply it. If you love this content, you know what to do. Do subscribe. Do share it and do give us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts and other channels where you watch this or you listen to this content and come back again. And uh, if these stories inspire you, we'd love to get some feedback and we'd love to hear your story and how this is influencing you and is building you up. I'm Nathaniel Costilla at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.